Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West. Adam Stanko, just two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. As we record Mm. this on Monday for Tuesday, we'll talk Damian Lillard and tampering to separate conversations. I got a feeling this Lillard conversation is going to return to the rings conversation. How much (laughs) I love that one. Coming up on Thursday, the Going ISO edition, TBD. But feel free to go back and listen to the Dante Jones episode who spent parts of 13 years in the league, told some great stories about Allen Iverson pulling him out of a line at an all-star game when he didn't even know him to get into an all-star game party. NBA skills trainer Rob McClanahan, who's worked out with KG, Steph, KD, and everybody else in between. Some great Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook stories there. Stu Jackson mm-hmm. telling the story of drafting Steve Francis against his will. Gerald Henderson, <laughs> the story of Roy Williams bragging about his golf game and then taking him for lunch on the driving range at UNC and Gerald stripes 10 straight irons and then Roy Williams shanks 10 in a row. So who knows? Maybe Gerald Henderson would have played with Wayne Ellington at North Carolina if Roy Williams hadn't been such a fraud on the (laughs) driving range. All All those going ISO editions are evergreen. So go back, enjoy those, share those, rate, review. We appreciate all the love we've gotten. Adam, the Lakers, as we record this Monday for Tuesday, they play Monday night against Denver, then they close Thursday against Sacramento Kings. But the Lakers have the lowest offensive rating in the bubble. They have the lowest field goal percentage in the bubble. They're the worst three-point shooting team in the bubble. And I've got my theories about the struggles. It has to do with lineup changes. Where do you Mm -hmm. sit on all this? I, I'm worried if I'm a Lakers fan that teams have figured out how they want to defend Anthony Davis. And I know it's look, we spent all this time saying how much you're really going to learn in eight games, especially for a team that pretty much knows what they're looking at going into the playoffs. Plus the fact that they're an older team with LeBron leading the charge, obviously they're more, they're more concerned with just staying healthy making sure that everything's okay, testing things out, and getting into some type of a rhythm. But after Anthony Davis scored his 42 points against against the Jazz, in their last three games as we record this, all losses to Oklahoma City, Houston, and and Indy, um, Anthony Davis is averaging 11 points a game over those three games. He's shooting 33% from the field and 0 of 7 from three. and Earl Watson, who's got a a great basketball mind, been around a lot of great coaches before being an NBA head coach himself. He's been doing breakdowns on on Instagram, and and he's been talking for a while about how you defend Anthony Davis and this idea that you can't let him get to the rim because he's dangerous down low, maybe as dangerous as any big, if not more than any big in the the league. And you don't want him shooting threes. So if he's not making threes or at least they're contested, you're going to be okay. Because if you get him to take mid-range pull-ups, which he will take if they're available, you're winning the, the possession against the Lakers. And I'm seeing that time and time again. So you find ways to stop LeBron or at least slow down LeBron, take away options, and you make Anthony Davis a mid-range jump shooter. And then what do the Lakers have? Who else are they going to offensively? And when the talk all of a sudden turns to something you and I said at the beginning of the year, we talked about their shooting. 
and I was concerned about their three-point shooting, where is that going to come from? If your answer is let's play Quinn Cook more, which I worry about being part of their rotation moving forward, that's trouble if I'm a Lakers fan. Yeah, so the Lakers starters, and and this lineup has changed a bit because you know, JaVale and LeBron also didn't play against the Rockets, but the Lakers starters as a five-man group mm-hmm. combined are a minus 40 in the bubble. Not in not individually, but as a group, they're they're five man unit starters. If you add up their plus minus as a unit through all these games so far in the bubble, they're a minus forty. Turnovers have also been an issue, and even even when they beat the Clippers, they had sixteen turnovers that led to twenty nine points. But like in that game, Deion Waiters played twenty one minutes. He's playing like twenty minutes a night. J.R. Smith's mm-hmm. minutes are up, so. You start to think, can those two who have a a history of knuckleheadedness handle the pressure of the bubble and the circumstances of the bubble? And we've said for a while now that I think the the team that is going to win the title is going may not be the best team on paper. It might not be the most talented team on the court, but it's the team that is the most mentally and emotionally tough that goes along with a great deal of talent. So back to turnovers, Toronto game, 18 turnovers led to, led to 22 points. The loss against Houston, 25 team turnovers led to 36 points. The game against Indiana, 15 turnovers led to 15 points. And there was no J.R. Smith, no Deion Waiters in that game. Anthony Davis was three for 14 and they started LeBron, AD, KCP, Caruso, and JaVale McGee. Frank Vogel working out rotations now, and and Rondo is going to be back, but working out rotations now as it gets to closer and closer to the playoffs where you're usually it's eight or nine guys, and he's Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who's playing, who's not. Some of the guys he's got out there can't play, and at the moment your head coach does not know if he can rely on certain guys in a playoff series. Here's one thing that struck me, Noah, on on that point. You and I have talked for a while about how different the playoffs will be for obvious reasons, right? We've talked about the idea that the big difference oftentimes from playoff basketball to regular season basketball is are, are the crowds in the playoffs and how that impacts games and the pressure that comes along with it and the intensity and how refs are not calling as much. And we know just, I'm not telling anyone who doesn't watch playoff basketball, something they don't know, but something I hadn't really thought about was the difference between regular season bubble and playoff bubble. It can't be that much. You, what are you going to pipe in more crowd noise for your away games, all that? I, I already realized that the games themselves would be different and obviously the playoffs themselves, but I don't think I just put the simplest of two and two together to say, Hmm, Playoff basketball might not be that different from what we're seeing in these last eight games. So to your point, when you say, hey, typically teams at this point, figuring out their rotation, shortening their bench, who's going to play, guys at this point in the season fighting for minutes and like, I want to prove to the coach I should get an extra five minutes. If all of a sudden you're having chemistry issues and you don't know if it's Alex Caruso who should play, you don't know what role Rondo's going to play. You just talk J.R. Smith, uh, JaVale McGee. like. Trying to figure out 
out of these guys and Dion Waiters, like they have talent. And we kept saying as, as everything was going on, man, look at all the talent that's coming in for the Lakers. But they don't have Avery Bradley. And he was a key defensive piece for them. So I worry about them on the defensive end. They can throw size at you, of course, when, when Dwight Howard's out there and LeBron and Anthony Davis, they can throw size out at you. And of course, LeBron and AD make them just so formidable from a talent perspective. But if there's no chemistry there and you're worried about offensive issues, and then maybe there's some defensive issues, and now you don't know about your rotation, there are way too many question marks for me when the games aren't going to look that different as things move along. Now compare that to the Raptors, for instance, who are really in sync defensively right now. They seem to all be on the same page. There's great chemistry there. The momentum of a team like the Suns right now who are on fire. I just factor all that together and I say, I don't think it's going to be so easy for the Lakers to turn it on. It's not like they're going to have that playoff motivation. It's just, it's not going to be that different from what they're doing right now. You've got to continue to try to manufacture that motivation. And that's what I will give LeBron a ton of credit because he's been manufacturing things his entire career. He just manufactures drama. The nobody thought we could do this. Everyone was against me for this. He just comes up with this stuff and he's the, the king of they said. Right. And I don't know. I don't know who said it, but whatever gets LeBron going, fine. Cool with me. I get it. But you're going to have to even do more of that here because you're not running out onto the court in hostile territory. You're not shutting up a crowd. You're not feeling the the crowd behind you during a 12-0 run, and you're not feeling the crowd getting tense, and the players do feel it, getting tense on the road during a 12-0 run. So you're going to have to start manufacturing this stuff. And I don't know the answer of how to do it, but whatever team is the best at manufacturing the intensity and manufacturing the crowd, I think it's going to have a clear advantage. Listen, I think that's a great way to look at this whole thing. Zid, how do you, you talked about the metal focus over the long term, but game to game, how are you finding a way to keep yourself motivated? And it's just, it's different. And, and there's also a weird thing about expectations that typically you can feel it from a crowd. Home crowds will boo if they feel like the effort's not there or that you're not living up to expectations. There's a certain social contract that players have with the crowd about the level that they're going to play at. And that stuff is all gone right now. So as much as we're experiencing, experiencing it from home, as though we hear the crowd noise, the effects that the virtual fans look kind of cool in their own way. It doesn't look all that much different from an NBA arena, but the guys there playing, it definitely feels different. And that is something to keep in mind as, as we advance. Oh, and the guys that are playing against each other in the playoffs are going to run into each other in the lobby, going to see each other at the pool. There is no, there's no getting, maybe that is, that's what becomes manufactured that, Oh, he said this to me passing in the hallway <laughs> and that's going to carry me through the next 48 minutes. Everybody needs support to make it through the day. And good thing our friends at CBDMD have the amazing duo. It's kind of like a LeBron AD thing, like a Steph KD used to be. Maybe the Steph Clay comes back to that. Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry. It's the amazing duo that helps you relax, regroup, and recharge. And I got to think that could be a big three when life gets 
chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And so let's make all of this even easier to try out the topicals and everything else CBD MD has to offer. Our listeners get 25% off your next order. Ooh. Easy as that. Use the promo Ooh. code NBA at checkout. So if you've been thinking about how to use CBD, here's a way to try it out. Get 25% off. CBDMD.com. CBDMD.com. Promo code NBA. 25% off your purchase. CBDMD.com. Promo code NBA. CBDMD.com. Promo code NBA. 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Let's talk tampering. And I'm not going to directly accuse you of tampering, but there are times that you make me think that you'd rather have Eden, my almost six-year-old daughter, be the co-host of this mm -hmm. program since she co-hosts the other podcast I do, the follow-up. Make sure you download. Yes. All that. Yes. Excellent. B-O-K-A-L-Now.com. You can watch her too. Because you, you have these veiled shots of, oh, I know that look. That's the look I give Noah when he doesn't let me talk. And it's not, it's not exactly mm -hmm. tampering. But like Draymond gets yeah. fined 50 grand for his tampering saying, Devin Booker's got to get out of there, this, that. And he's got to know that's coming. As soon as he opens his mouth, he's, it's going to happen. Yes. But at this point... The only reason that the fines are out there for tampering, because everybody mm -hmm. does it, it's all for the public perception. Because you know a lot of people enjoy this drama, but yes. there's a large portion of NBA fans who say these kids are these kids are out of control. They're just trying to team up and trying to poach this guy. He's under contract. You can't do that. You got to follow the rules. And I, and I think it's all for public perception. It does seem to be that way. And by the way, these aren't veiled shots that you know. I think they're pretty direct uh, shots that I've made. You know how I feel about the fact that it would be kind of cool to co-host a show with, with your daughter. Um, but regardless, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say that I, there's a part of me that wondered about the Draymond thing in particular. It was kind of like, as far as tampering goes, like, are we just not taking as NBA players or as an NBA community, are we just not taking the bubble seriously? Like, obviously, we're taking it seriously because we're excited to have basketball back. We're getting a chance to actually talk about basketball in this podcast as opposed to these outside influences, uh, what we think of the virus and how that's impacting play, all these other factors. But meanwhile, I have to wonder, here's Draymond in studio trying to rile things up and he would do that kind of thing anyway, but it just kind of feels to me like there might be an extra little push of like, I can say this stuff right now because it doesn't really feel like the season's really going on. It still feels kind of like the off season. And I, and I do wonder about that. And I think it also probably makes Draymond feel better that he's, you know, gone fishing as, as it were, uh, as opposed to actually being out there and playing and competing where he can say these things. And by the way, on the surface, like with DeAndre Ayton and, and Devin Booker and Kelly Oubre and 
who else can we can we talk about? Uh, Ricky, Ricky Rubio. Rubio. Yeah. That yet yeah, there's no reason that you need to talk about the Suns getting help. They botched the draft for like three years in a row, and they're talking about uh, Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. But now this team is is actually, I think, in a in a really good spot. And then Josh Jackson too. Um, they they've made some questionable decisions even this past year uh, when they drafted Cameron Johnson awfully high uh, and you know an older player, twenty three yeah, years but old. Mikael Bridges like, now. But yeah, Mikael Bridges. Like I don't. I think that you're talking about a core, especially when you talk about a Devin Booker and a DeAndre Ayton to start with with Kelly Oubre. Like you're talking about a core that I think is like in the right place. And and so the comments are ridiculous in its own right, like get the man help. And then you go to the fact that, hey, sorry, not everybody's the Warriors where they can get DeMarcus Cousin at a bargain basement price, you know, that you can get um, Kevin Durant to come there just because you feel like having Kevin Durant and the, the salary cap has to be in the perfect situation the year that his his deal is up. So I, I just look at it like he knows how outrageous it is, but I do wonder how much the whole situation right now is influenced. Guys feeling like they can say anything, and I know we're going to get to some of the Dame Lillard stuff, but guys sort of feeling like they can talk out of pocket and say whatever they want simply because it just doesn't really feel like real life. It's a bunch of guys hanging out at Disney World in the, in the middle of an AAU tournament. And, and I think Draymond's bored too because he hasn't yes. played a – I mean, this is the longest he's gone in his – you know, career without playing a meaningful game. I mean, it, none of the games at the beginning of the season were meaningful Great. anyway. They knew they were going to be one of the worst teams, not the worst team in the league. So I think he's so I think he's bored. And he's I think he's added some pop to the show too. I think his analysis has been pretty good. Yeah. But he knows that he knows that he's going to get fined for that. As soon as he opens his mouth, he knows it's he knows it's coming. There's no point in there's no point in in arguing it either. But I understand why the league has the rules there, but I do think it's time yes. to just call a spade a spade here and and understand like look, it's this happens and it's not that big of it's not that big of a deal. So and it's not hurt it's not hurting anybody. How how much do you actually know that tampering has led to this, you know, illegal tampering has led to all this other stuff? We don't we don't know that. Right. Now, let me ask you this, though. How much do you think is it's tampering falls under that it falls under this umbrella where it sets up the league so that they can limit guys doing things like Draymond is doing? Not because of this influence that, oh, Devin Booker, come play with us on the Suns, but more so to say, hey, this way you don't have players going on TV saying things like, oh, Devin Booker's got to get out of there because that team is trash. Like, isn't it? Isn't that way more harmful? Draymond Green trashing the the Suns franchise is way more harmful to the league itself than Draymond actively recruiting him. Guys spend they spend millions on or not millions, but hundreds of thousands on recruiting pitches to get mm -hmm. you know top tier players. Like Draymond's talking about Devin Booker on TV. Uh, on a random show with Barkley is not going to sway Devin Booker's future destination for where he plays clearly. No, but it's, but it's a matter of maybe getting that out in the public and then seeing, you know, it's like you float a theory out there, then you see the public reaction and then maybe sure. then another conversation happens. But I think it has, it has more to do. 
And I, I think you're right with the, with the team and the image of the team. That's what the league doesn't like. But I think most of it has to do with GMs saying other players' names and presidents or owners saying play, other yes. players' names rather than, rather than players themselves. I think, that plays, I think that plays a bigger part in it. That's probably true. Because there are, there are coaches that won't talk about other jobs when someone is in that place. Like yes. Jeff Van Gundy does that, talks about that all the time. Like Phil Jackson wasn't like that. No, <laughs> you know, he, it's like a coach's code, but there are certain coaches that don't don't adhere to that at all. Exactly. But yeah, there's definitely a coach's code. No coach should ever get fired. Every coach should have basically a lifetime contract. Mm-hmm. And the coach is always right when it's a dispute with a coach and a player or uh, an executive. That's That's coach's code. All right, well, at some point you'll be able to bet on next coach fired. That's or even first coach fired. And that, that happens in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always odds on that. But right now you can head over to my bookie and get in on your futures bets for hockey and the NBA and even NFL games at this point. And with my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. So if you're feeling good about your team's chances, just go to the World Series futures. But you could do the same thing with hoops and hockey and football. Join today. My bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss in a free $10 Major League Baseball future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D on NBA, LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Damian Lillard's been the best player in the bubble, and Damian Lillard's been a star for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've got into it a little bit with John Kincaid, who's the co-host of Shaq's podcast, and he hosts a, a radio show down in the state of Georgia. And when Shaq and Damian Lillard were having their little rap battle back and forth and, and Damian yes. Lowe is a he's a legit rapper and you are an expert yeah and John K. K. was like well what does he want he doesn't want anything who does he make better this that he's just he's just trying to feed Shaq and Damian Lillard is going to finish in the top five of the MVP or at least he should this year he's a four-time all-NBA guy eighth year in the league he mm-hmm. has made it to the playoffs the last seven years so don't tell me what is he won and talk out one side of your mouth and then out the other side of your mouth say like how difficult the Western Conference is. So, all right, you lose in the first round of the playoffs. Getting swept by the Pelicans was horrendous. So losing in the first round of the playoffs as he has three times in the last six years, and I said mm-hmm. seven like as if, you know, if they make the playoffs this year. So, yeah, right. that's a hazard of the occupation when you're playing in the Western Conference. But getting into the playoffs is something to be applauded in the Western Conference, and that's what he's done. And he made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. He's made it to the semis twice, and he's doing it on the team without another All-Star. What Damian Lillard's done over the past few years is is incredible, and he's put himself in this conversation with some of the best players in the league. I mean, everybody's scared of him, and it's been – and you see that, and that's sort of what, what sparked this whole conversation that we were going to get into is this idea, obviously, of – the back and forth with him and Patrick Beverly, which you know Patrick Beverly's going to do. Pat Bev loves to to start this stuff up, given the Dame Lillard wave 
that that Dame gave last year. And Paul George got into it too because Dame knocked out Paul George last year and he's knocked out Patrick Beverly in the past. And so they were responding with all that. I knocked you out. You knocked me out. Da, da, da. And so the Clippers are delighting in this. What, what I was fascinated by though, Noah, and this is, I mean, Dame Lillard's respect for me is through the roof, like consummate teammate, great leader, does everything he's asked. And he's like this humble superstar, even though he's a rapper. So the two, the two things in life that require just the ultimate ego and require the ultimate bravado NBA star point guard and being a rapper. He he's excellent at both. And yet he's this humble guy seemingly still like he'll tell you how great he is. He has a big ego just like anyone else, but, but he also has this sense of humility that I love. He never forgets where he comes from Oakland, California. So he'll tell you. And, um, he gets after it. And as a guy that was underappreciated coming out of high school and then, you know, he's at, at Weber state and, and still even as the, the fame grew and how good this kid was grew still, people didn't believe how good he was going to be. And he just keeps surpassing expectations every step of the way. The latest twist and turn of this is Paul George's uh, girlfriend is his partner, wife to be uh, got into it with Damian Lillard's sister. Uh, which I, I've always find that stuff to be fun, you know, the back and forth and and some of the uh, ridiculous uh, <laughs> barbs being tossed around. I love it. But I have to wonder again to this question that I was asking you before about about Draymond and the tampering. Like, is this a symptom of guys being in the bubble and feeling like they can just talk recklessly? Because here's the thing is like at least Paul George and Dame Lillard are going to be on all-star teams together. That's a given for the future. They're, they're going to be um, connecting in other situations, whether it's for, well, I doubt Paul George is going to be playing on another national team, but, but I do think like they're going to meet up in, in other instances, whether it's uh, workouts in LA over the summer or what have you, or at least meeting up at some club or at a Super Bowl party. So um, what's your, what's your take on not just what John Kincaid says, which is ridiculous about Dame Lillard not winning any, any rings when you consider how difficult it is to make the playoffs in the West alone and just how great Dame Lillard's been. Uh, not to mention how good he's been in the playoffs themselves, taking all that into account. I'm curious your thoughts on how guys are speaking to each other in the bubble and how it may just be a symptom of the, the situation, the unique situation that they're in. Yeah, I think things are going to get hot in the bubble. I think they already have. And I think it's going to be even more so because, you're, again, you're trying to manufacture this stuff to motivate yourself in any which way. And I, and I really do think some of this is just trying to manufacture some motivation, try to you're a little bit bored also and try to get you through the day, get you through the next game, get you through a playoff series. When the women get involved, all bets are off. That's when that's when it can get really <laughs> up. But it should be noted that Damian Lillard is a dynamite leader. And anybody will tell you that. Anyone yes. who's been around that organization. That, there was never a question when Aldridge left that they should have chosen Aldridge over Lillard. Although I was doing a, a radio show at the time on Sirius NBA Radio, and Brian Geltziler was my co-host, and, and he said that they're making a, great, a big mistake getting rid of Aldridge, and he's the, the straw that stirs that drink. And I told him he was full of it as i was just saying can't both things be true can't they have made a mistake by getting rid of aldridge and still 
Dame Lillard's greatness can't be questioned, and the Dame yeah, was sure, the exactly. unquestioned leader. That's exactly. It. They could have been, and I, I think Lamarcus Aldridge would would probably say, maybe I didn't handle it great. Mm-hmm. We should have talked things out. We could have been we could have been something great together. But you brought up the rings, and let's end with this real quick. We've had this conversation before. I've had it for years that fans want to judge, or certain fans, let's call John Kincaid one of them, wants to judge players by their rings. But then those rings have to be attained in a nearly impossible way. So there's got to be, you can't team up because that's not legit. You've got to, like, that's why Iverson is, aside from what he did for the league off the court and all the players looking up to him, but that's Mm -hmm. why he is always brought up in this conversation. Oh, Iverson, you know, he took that team to the finals. Yeah, he did. He he did. And they won game one, and they could have won game two. He did. He didn't win, but there's so many who act like the Sixers and Iverson won a title when they didn't because it would have been so difficult to do it because he was the sole focus of that team. As no, as soon as we started going, diving into these conversations about individual greatness, and there's always been a little bit of talk of that. It's always happened. It's weird because it used to be, I remember talking about generations, which generation was best, you know, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, you still got into that. And then it started to turn into, I guess, with all, it was always the comparison to who could be the next Jordan. There's always this new debate. And over the last decade, of course, it's been who's the greatest player of all time. And somehow, you know, it's just instantly it's LeBron and Jordan. Like you can't even have other people in that, in that discussion because I have people, you're usually dealing with people who either grew up watching Jordan or people who've grown up just watching LeBron. And the last dance was the introduction for this. But in over the last decade, I feel like once we got in this discussion about how guys' whole legacies are determined by how many rings they've won, and of course we saw it in the past with some Gary Payton and Carl Malone ring chasing, you know, guys that Michael Jordan kept from winning rings. Like we've seen superstars like try to team up. It started in 08 with the Celtics and their big three. And once we started seeing guys team up for these super teams, the ring argument to me has to go out the window. Your greatness can't be measured that way anymore because now it's just, you're not on the same playing field anymore. These certain teams have, have teamed up. So Kevin Durant is playing with an all time great warriors team. You've got the big three from the Celtics. You've got the big three from the heat that got together. Obviously LeBron James calculated. So him and Rich Paul, so that he could play with Anthony Davis in LA the city that he wanted with the players he wanted. And I don't hold anything against these guys, but I will say you can't make the same argument that it's a rings thing while you have a bunch of guys teaming up to get rings. And then you have a player like Dame Lillard who says, I'm going to do it from the place that I'm drafted, not trying to listen. Do I, is he going to go to management and ask for certain players to come in? Yes, whatever. But he's not going to out, outwardly go out on, mm-hmm. on, um, with a megaphone and say, no, I need these guys, these superstars to play with. And then you knock him because he doesn't have rings, even though he's going to the playoffs every year and went on a stretch this year on a tear where he's averaging like 49 points a game for like a five game tear in the bubble. I think he's 33 and nine. It's we need to change how we evaluate greatness in this era of super teams. 
go back and take a listen to all the other going ISO editions of rejecting the screen. So if you're joining us now for the first time, every Thursday we go long form with all sorts of folks who have touched the NBA. Go back and listen to Rex Walters, Ala Abdelnabi, Adam Morrison, Sean Marion, Eddie Johnson, Seth Partnow on the analytics sides of things, Brendan Haywood and Ryan Hollins, who've now teamed up to do their seven footers podcast, Anthony Morrow, Earl Watson, Casey Jacobson, Kevin Willis, and so many others, all right here on the Rejecting the Screen feed. On Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam's on Twitter at NaysmithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. I said TBD at the top, but coming this Thursday, Reggie Theus. Hang time. Everything else going on on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, five days a week. Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Floyd. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, Hollinger and Duncan, and your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam? Thanks, pal. You are the best. And so's Eden.